grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, who loves us with a transforming love, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Spirit who unites us all. Amen. So I was reading the New York Times Saturday Magazine yesterday morning, and I read a really fascinating article about the connection between the gut and the brain. Now, I knew that somewhere on the edges of my mind that there were foods that we could eat that would improve our brain function, and I knew that our body is connected in ways that I don't always understand, but this article blew my mind just a little bit. I don't think I really fully understood the ways that our gut and our brain are connected. You see, the connection is strong partly because the brain and the gut originate from the same cells in the embryo. Anybody else know this? I'm like, and they then remain connected through the vagus nerve. What ever experience, have you ever experienced anxiety and then you get butterflies in your stomach? That's the vagus nerve communicating between your brain and your gut. Who knew? It's this strong connection, then, that makes food such an influencer of your brain. Because food influences the microbiome in your gut. Did you know we had a microbiome in your gut? I'm telling you, this changed my life. And because of that, it influences our mental health. How can that be, you ask? Well. There are lots of studies and more happening all the time, but here's one tidbit that I did not know that I found very interesting. Serotonin, that lovely mood-regulating hormone, it's primarily made, stored, and active in the gut. So in order to be more generously supportive of our brain and our mental health, we should eat foods that contain serotonin or that help the body produce it. Dr. Drew Ramsey, one of the scientists interviewed for this article, reminded me that our brains, they've evolved to eat almost anything to survive, but increasingly we now know that there's a way to fuel it to improve overall mental health. Spoiler alert, it's not ice cream and pizza. In fact, they don't even make the list of foods. But I'll tell you what makes the top of it. Kale. I, I know, right? I went down the massive rabbit hole of how to make kale taste good yesterday after I read this article. I am so amazed by our body, by the ways that things are interconnected and how what we choose to put into our body could make things better or worse, could make us more healthy. And it's really not rocket science or something that we didn't know on some level. But what we're discovering is the tight connection between our eating habits and how our whole self functions, not just our physical self, but our spiritual and our mental self as well. And here's what else I know. The same is true for communities of people. Whether it's families or neighborhoods or towns or counties, states or countries or the whole world, we are interconnected in ways that we don't fully understand. What we do know, though, is that as a whole, what we decide to add into our larger bodies of people affects how we function, which is why the body of Christ 
remains such a powerful image for us 2,000 plus years after it was written about. Paul knew what he was talking about when he talked about Christian community as a body rooted and shaped by Christ. The body of Christ can only be strong if the people practice good habits, are consciously aware of what we allow in, what we ingest, what we bring into the body will have an effect on the whole. And for Paul, it begins and ends with love. In 1 Corinthians 13, we are told that if we don't have love, if it isn't a part of what we take in each day, then any gift that we may have been given by the Holy Spirit for the sake of the world is negated. Here's what Paul says. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is at the core of the body of Christ. It's what fuels every action of a disciple of Jesus. And this is the agape love, the kind of love that is deep, abiding love of God for us. And it's the love that longs for the well-being of the beloved. Not just the beloved sitting next to us, the ones that we've committed ourselves to, but all of God's creation, all of humanity, all the creatures. This love, this way of life, has been a part of God's people since Moses went up the mountain to talk with God. We know this way of being was important for the first Christians because it is mentioned over 300 times in the New Testament. 300 times! What makes it even more amazing is that it really wasn't very prevalent in the literature of the day. So that tells you and me that for this new budding community of believers, this early body of Christ, they were working on what it was to live into a new way of being. They were rooting themselves in God's love so that they could reflect that love to the world. The ways that they did that the ways that they rooted themselves in God's love? Well, they gathered together regularly. They prayed and studied scripture. They served their neighbor, and they were generous with everything that they had. These were the marks of the disciples of Jesus. These are still the marks of the disciples of Jesus. This was and is the way that the love of God was understood and then could be lived out. For Paul... Speaking to the church at Corinth, who those members have been so focused, as was their whole society, on their status and their wealth in the community. So he drives this point home, not only talking about our gifts in chapter 12, which have only been given to us for the sake of the community, but by reminding us of how interconnected we are, how much like a body we are. And as such, we need to be rooted in our commitment to Jesus and function for the common good in love. It is here, in this way, that we find health and wholeness. 
It's here that we know the living salvation that is ours. It's here where love becomes real as we live rooted in Jesus, which Paul describes as this way. When we are rooted in Jesus, when we are rooted in that love, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude, It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So many times we hear this scripture at weddings when we're talking to couples who are just getting ready to embark on their life of love together. But that's not who Paul was talking to here. Paul was talking to the community about what it meant to live out God's generous love. When I first began my ministry at Trinity and Zion in Adam's Friendship, both call committees and many other people said to me, Pastor Karen, we don't want to talk about money anymore. And I got to tell you, friends, that was fine with me. I don't want to talk about money. Even though I'd been through four years of seminary, I had somehow missed the important, no, I didn't miss, I dodged the importance of stewardship. I just didn't want to talk about it. I wasn't comfortable, except we needed to talk about money because sometimes we couldn't pay the bills. But this was a really generous people. They would have what they would call catch-up Sundays where they would realize they couldn't pay the light bill or they needed more money to do this or that. And so they would just say, we're going to have a catch-up Sunday, and they would collect that money. But even I knew that that wasn't a good practice. And so together we dug into Scripture. We learned together about God's generosity. We talked about what it means to be a biblical giver and how people of God, the body of Christ, lived out their generosity. Regular and consistent giving became our spiritual practice of love. And their generosity, which had always been there, was multiplied. It was so big. By committing to the spiritual practice of regular and consistent giving, they were poised to help their neighbor whenever a need came up. And it suddenly was easy to be the body of Christ Because what they were consuming, what they chose to trust in, were the very things that Paul tells us will be with us at the end. Their faith in God, their hope for all of us, and the love that they know they have. I think of January as the catch-up month, right? It's, It's mostly with our health, but we think about our physical, spiritual, mental well-being. Here we are at a new year. Let's reset. We make goals. We set intentions. We review and reflect. Every year, I sit down with three friends, and we do this very thing. We talk about the previous year. How did we grow? How did we meet the challenges that arose? Did we see changes in whatever intention we had set for ourselves? And then we talk about what we hope for the next year. This year, We didn't set intentions or goals or resolutions. Instead, we asked ourselves, what kind of people do we want to be? And in the answering of that question, we talked about what changes we would need to make to move closer to who that person was. For me, I want to grow more deeply into my value of relationships. I want to become a person who is deeply connected to those I love and care about. Everything about who I want to be requires generosity. 
which has already challenged me here in this last week of January, already challenged. But it's an act of faith and hope and love to make the time and the energy to do these things, to spend the money needed so that I can be the person I want to be. In order to stay the course, I will need to be attentive to my prayer life, to my study of the Bible, to the ways I spend my money, to how I serve my community. In other words, I will need to pay attention to what I consume so that the whole of my body can be healthy and whole, so that the body of Christ can be healthy and whole. At the heart of who we are here at First Lutheran, of who we want to become, is generosity. When we consider the values of welcome all, be community, and serve our neighbors, we are talking about generosity of spirit, of time, and of money. We want to be a more generous people. For three weeks now, you have heard about how we intend to be generous with our money on top of the already established ways we are generous, and how we intend to live into our values as a faith community. Each of us, as part of this body of Christ, impacts the whole that we make together. Your generosity will impact our generosity, and it will strengthen who we are as a communal body of Christ. Kind of, but not quite, like eating kale will do for our physical bodies. Although, I gotta tell you, being generous is much more fun than eating kale. We've asked you to consider increasing your giving. Pastor Stanton invited you to join him and his family as they increase their giving, and now I am inviting you to join me as I increase my giving. I'm doing so because I believe in the power of God to change the world through faith communities like ours. I know that as we work together to be the body of Christ, as we study together, as we grow together, as we worship together, as we serve together, amazing things can happen. I also know that it can be hard to do those things, and so we do them together to make them a little easier. That is why we cling to our faith, hope, and love, rooted in Jesus, so that we can work together to create a beautiful body marked by generosity, undergirded with prayer, study, worship, and service. Together, we change lives in the name of the love we know who lived, died, and rose again, and who calls us his very own. Thanks be to our God. Amen. <laughs>